Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. This is the latest episode of the Buzz in Baltimore podcast, and we are here at Old Line Spirits in Highland Town. Um, I'm here with the two co-owners, Arch Watkins and Mark McLaughlin. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming by. Um, so this is my first time in Old Line. I, it's such a beautiful building. Uh, it's you know it's got this amazing tasting room and this amazing production facility, uh, and I just it's got some exposed brick. It looks really Baltimore. Um, and it's, I talked to you guys for a while now, but it's great to be in the space and see where everything's happening. Um, so I just wanted to start out, if you could each talk a little bit about your individual backgrounds in this industry and then maybe how you guys met. I know you sort of have an unusual story about how Old Line came about. Arch, do you want to start? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say that generally Mark and I knew each other in the Navy. We flew planes uh, back in the day. Um, we got out. Uh, at different times and uh, kind of went our own separate paths, but then ended up as neighbors in the Butcher Hill neighbor, uh, neighborhood. Yeah. Um, at the time, I was uh, working in engineering, um, doing defense-related projects, um, and uh, Mark was working in uh, the uh, finance field. And uh, I'll let him speak to his motivations for why he he uh, he got us going. But uh, it started with Mark. I, I jumped on uh, not long after. Uh, I really like being an engineer, but um, the thought of opening a distillery with Mark uh, was just uh, too good a chance to pass up. Sounds a little more fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not as much money, but... Uh, right, right, especially at first. Yeah. Right, uh, yeah. So, Mark, was it a similar sort of thing for you? Uh, well, yeah, like Art said, you know, he and I both started off in the same career in naval aviation. Um, and then, like you said, I was in finance for a bit. And, uh, I'd say I was. Uh, Ooh, I wonder. Hold on, we can take that again. Yeah. Just, just start whenever, and I. Can uh, so take we it were back talking in. about just how we get started. So, yeah, okay. yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, like Arch said, um, you know, Arch and I met in the Navy. We're, you know, our backgrounds both in naval aviation. Yeah, I was in a job. Uh, unlike Arch, you know, Arch was largely satisfied with his career. Um, I was just unhappy with what I was doing. Um, wasn't really cut out for uh, the investment banking thing. I uh, learned a lot. Glad that I did it. But I was very, very eager to to basically cut out uh, on my own yeah. um, and start a business. So you really wanted to manufacture something. Um, you know, the banking was uh, a lot of transactional stuff. So it was a lot of hard work for, for great clients, but you weren't actually producing something tangible. So I wanted to produce something, you know, I love whiskey, Arch and I both love whiskey. Um, and you know, the market was going in the right direction where the same thing that happened with, uh, with beer craft beer in the past 20, 30 years was really starting to happen with whiskey uh, and other spirits. So all those reasons kind of, it just came together that it was something that um, that I wanted to try. So I quit the banking job back in 2014 and almost immediately within days flew out to Seattle um, to attend a distilling conference. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, I was, you know, really taking a break from the conference, a little overwhelmed, frankly, and I was checking my email and a gentleman sat down next to me and he said, hey, what are you doing here? And I said, I was from Baltimore trying to start a distillery. And he said, all right, man, well, I'm trying to sell mine. You want to so take a look? So he... Uh, right place, right time. Right place, right time. And yeah. he, uh, his name is Bob Stilnovich, and his business partner was Jim Cotto. Uh, they were retirees doing this as a retirement hobby. So they were, um, you know, they'd each owned restaurants um, throughout their careers. And when they retired for good, uh, they were both kind of restless and decided to start a distillery together. 
um, and they ended up making a really, really excellent single malt whiskey. So, right. um, so at any rate, um, they were military veterans. So uh, Bob was in the army in Vietnam, and Jim was in the navy. Uh, and I think they really, well, I know they really liked that Arch and I um, were Navy, Navy vets and yeah. Afghanistan guys. So it all came together. It's so serendipitous. It's oh, crazy. it was unbelievable. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah. So the, um, so they were willing to, you know, um, you know, they got to know Arch and I and, and what we wanted to do, and they were willing to invite us out to live in Bob's guest house and apprentice and learn, and they treated us like family, and it was, uh, we couldn't have asked for a better start. And that was in um, what's the town in Washington called? It was, it was Sandwich Island, um, mm-hmm. which is a piece of Bow, okay. Washington. Um, but uh, <clears throat> to, to give you a picture of what, where we were learning, it's just a little spit of land, uh, and the house was right on a cliff overlooking the, the Puget Sound, north of the Puget Sound. Yeah. And I'm we're talking like whales coming out of the water, bald eagles, the, the mountains in the background, the whole thing. It was, it was wild. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we got up. It was 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., six days a week. Making making whiskey out there, and you and he was they were just teaching you the trade like you kind of went in not knowing a lot and they just not knowing anything. I yeah. mean, we have we have some technical skills, just you know, but not that we never we never made whiskey for sure. Um, uh, Jim actually passed away. That was kind of the impetus for for them wanting to pass the the torch on this. Right. Uh, so Jim passed away before we got there, um, and Bob was uh, was the the mentor. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we did it. Uh, he, our graduation was, he took his family to Hawaii for two weeks and asked us not to burn the house down. <laughs> and, uh, so and, and you succeeded. We succeeded, yeah. yeah. Um, so how did it uh, go from that little piece of Bow Washington back here to, to Highland Town? Like how did, how did that process work? Well, that, uh, we, had, uh, we had this 60 gallon copper pot still that uh, while Bob would make whiskey on this open flame, mm-hmm. uh, basically a Burger King grill, which is incredibly dangerous, but <laughs> uh, it would never fly in Baltimore. So basically what we did was we packed up all the barrels into a huge moving truck, um, and we packed up all the equipment into a separate truck, and Mark basically cannonball run, drove that truck, because we had to get to a, uh, a place in Kentucky, right? Yeah. That, that was going to, and I'll let you tell that story, but they, they, need, to, they need to modify the still so that we could, you know, add heating elements instead of uh, open flame to heat it. The Burger King grill. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, well, you leave on a Monday and you got there on a Friday. On a Friday afternoon, yeah. Uh, but driving 12 hours a day, oh 75 miles an hour in this truck. Yeah. Uh, but to tell them, what, tell them the story when you, when you showed up. Uh, yes, yeah, so it was a place in western Kentucky, which is... The very very rural part which i guess most of kentucky's probably yeah. is the very, <laughs> the rural, very part. rural part yeah. and uh i was on the way out there and like arch said it was uh, you know cannonball run across the country trying to get to uh i forget the name of the town and i assumed they were open till uh till 5 p.m what was the name of the company uh hillbilly St- hillbilly stills yeah hillbilly really? stills. they're great guys <laughs> yeah and they do great work uh but they are unabashedly uh hillbillies, hillbillies. and they embrace it and that's who they are and it's, it's wonderful. in their name yeah and uh so you know i'm Decided to check my phone just to confirm that they're 5 p.m. close time, so I was going to get there at like 4:55 according to GPS. And oh, it said they close at four. And I'm like, oh man, like it's Friday. Then I have to wait around this place till Monday. And so I called them, and they said, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's Jerry's birthday today, so uh, yeah, we'll stick around. So I showed up there, and they were wonderful. We unloaded this still from the truck, and uh, I gave them a bottle of uh, actually a product product that we uh, aren't producing anymore. It was good. It just wasn't within our portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of a special thing. I said, hey, we'd love you to have this. 
and uh, they popped it out and started taking shots right there. Oh so, my god! Yeah. And so this was under the moniker Golden Distillery. Uh, it was Golden Distillery uh, up until we uh, packed up from Washington State. Okay. Um, and what product were they taking shots of? Uh, it was an apple brandy. Okay. That was very very good. Um, and we may someday look at making it again, but for a couple of reasons we didn't. Uh, one of the reasons is that it was a very special relationship that Bob and Jim had with a, uh, a, winery. a, a winery and an mm-hmm. apple orchard and all that sort of thing. So it, was, it made complete sense in that setting, um, and we haven't necessarily found a reason to do it here. But, yeah. but it was great. Um, so it was like, hey guys, this is kind of a limited thing, try it. And they start pounding shots. Might as well have been like, you know. Yeah, moonshine. The 140 proof stuff we tried in there, yeah. But uh, but it was great, and um, and then getting it back here, so to to Baltimore, you know, Arch and I thought that so we bought the business, we closed, you know, closed on it over April in 2015. We thought we'd be open in the summer at a place over in Greektown, and for a number of reasons, um, the location we thought we were going to be in Greektown didn't work out, um, and then we found this place here in Highland Town. Uh, that was owned by not the same guy that owns it now previous owner uh and we had a couple of issues with that process as well so this thing went from being something that we thought we'd be open in the summer of 2015 and we didn't finally get open here until a year ago february wow. 2017. lots yeah. of rigor morale, uh, i'm sure oh it was nuts yeah and yeah. it's just um you know murphy's law sometimes that everything that can go wrong will and but I will say, and I, think, I assume Arch agrees, is that where we ended up with the owners of the building, the wonderful people, the ones that own it now are great. Um, you know, where we've ended up and, and come so far, we're very happy. Um, yeah. It's just, it was, there was some, certainly some growing pains in the way. Yeah, I can imagine. And when we started this, uh, at the time, I don't think there were any distilleries open in Baltimore. And we weren't not so naive to think we'd be the first, but, you know, we're hopeful. Yes, one of the pioneers, yeah. maybe, right. But, uh, but, you know, by February of last year, we were we were the third, uh, so. And that's why it's interesting, because I know you guys are um, celebrating your one-year anniversary, and I'm doing air quotes, because it's really just one year of this space, but you've been making these products for, for four years now, uh, right? We're making it for three we're Making it for three. But we've been working, Mark, you know, Mark got started in the... Um, March Winter of yeah, March of 2014. So it's been a longer haul than just than yeah. just the one year anniversary might make yeah. it seem. Um, so talk about the the single malt um, whiskey that you make. I think it's I remember interviewing you guys when you first sort of started you know making it and in Baltimore you know you know bourbon's obviously very common in Maryland we talk about rye a lot but single malt people weren't as familiar with that category. I think people associate it with Scotch and um, peatiness and Scotland and all of that. So so what is it a about this that um, you guys sort of learned to love and, and what have you found bringing it to this market? Well, I'll, I'll say that I, uh, and I'll let Mark, uh, you know, uh, jump on later, but uh, I think it's been mostly a blessing because everyone, you know, there's a lot of bourbon in the market. Like, there's a lot of rye. Right. So, so we don't have to go through like, you know, who's got the best bourbon. Yeah. You know, there's kind of measuring contests. Um, so we're focusing on something that, that not a lot of people make, global or, or uh, nationally. Yeah. And not a lot, of, certainly not a lot of people making it regionally. Yeah. Um, so that's been great. But the challenge there is we have to convince people to, to try it, maybe not grab that bottle of bourbon and rye that they normally go to and try this new thing that's American single malt. Um, so, you know, over the, over the last year, we've started to make more and more progress on that. 
and people love it. We won um, Best American Whiskey at Seattle International Spiritual Awards with it. Congrats. Last year, yeah. um, which we're very proud of. Yeah. And it, it does consistently well when we submit it for awards. We won't submit it for a lot just because it's very expensive to do that. Right, right. Uh, but th those are my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Um, and the nice thing about it for us is that, um, like Art said, that we're, we're in kind of a niche category that's rapidly growing. Um, and we set out to make bourbon and rye. That was our original intent. <clears throat> and when we met uh, Bob and Jim, uh, they were doing this American single malt thing. And, and frankly, it took a little, I think a little time for us to wrap our heads around it. And just to, and that it wasn't what we had thought about. You were stubborn yeah. people sometimes, and we wanted to do A, and these guys are doing B, but it was a great opportunity. And we finally, you know, we tasted the products and we just fell in love with them. They were so good. And also, we had a, an advisor who kind of you know, figuratively shook us by the shoulders and said, you know, why would you not want to jump into something fresh and new and be an early adopter? And it, it really sunk in with us. It's good advice. Uh, it was great advice. Yeah. And, um, but again, like you both referenced, you know, you know there is the uh, challenge of people associate single malt with mostly Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, and even though so many scotches, so many single malt scotches aren't smoky, uh, people have that strong association with PD and whatnot. And... Um, you know, that, all that is great as far as, you know, for those, you know, kind of smoky products, but ours, our flagship is certainly not. But you have those kind of uh, perceptions you have to overcome. And we found that once people just taste it, um, it's, you know, it's a game changer. It's, it's great. So it's, um, that's been wonderful. And we've really embraced it. So what we're doing essentially, um, and, you know, Bob and Jim set off on this path and we've kind of picked up the mantle and taken it to the next step is... We're, you know, very much uh, like in the beer world with the uh, guys who started making American IPAs back in the 1980s, I guess. Yeah. You know, took a British concept, uh, albeit a pretty sleepy concept, uh, of the British IPA, which wasn't really a thing at all over here. And, you know, the idea of a beer that had, you know, some extra hops in it. And Americans took it and did what Americans do. They innovate. And now it's just become... Made it extreme. <laughs> made it, yeah, more yeah. extreme. And, and, you know, it's served cold. It's, you know, higher alcohol content. It's even hoppier. It's right. more bitter. And it's become this amazing category. Um, it's not exactly apples to apples, but in some ways it's not too dissimilar from what we're doing um, and our peers in the industry are doing is taking you know, the amazing category of single malt scotch, which you know, is beholden to centuries of tradition and regulation. And in America, single malt is comparatively lightly regulated compared to bourbon. Uh, we have more leeway, so we can take this thing and do what we want with it. So what we're doing, uh, and some of our peers are doing, is... We're taking that old world grain, which is 100% malted barley, uh, which is the primary definition of a single malt, um, and uh, but we're aging it in uh, never before used oak barrels, which you have to do for a bourbon. Uh, right. Whereas in contrast to a single malt Scotch, which is aged in used oak, used, simply because yeah. they don't grow a lot of oak in Scotland and they use use bourbon, port, sherry. So we're embracing the old world grain um, and then the new world aging. So um, yeah, we couldn't be happier with where we are. Yeah. Is um, the single malt category growing in America, like, pretty rapidly? Or, like, what is sort of the, the landscape of the category? Well, I don't know if we can answer how fast it's growing, but it is growing. You don't have percentages just on you at all <laughs> right, times? Right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if you go to uh, liquor stores now, you're, you'll see some um, some brands that aren't from anywhere around here, like uh, Balcones or Texas or... Or Westland from uh, Seattle, actually, mm -hmm. um, and in some of the higher end, higher end, and air quotes, uh, cocktail bars, uh, they'll, they'll ha they might have those as well. And guarantee they didn't have that three or four years ago. So, you know, they might they might have twenty five uh, brown whiskeys on the shelf, 
two or three might be American Seamalts now. So, uh, and we're, we're number three on that, you know, since we just got to market. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it is, I think, the crest of a, of a wave. Um, there's, there's been a couple of national press articles about American single malt's growth in the industry and, and where we're going. And there's a, uh, there's kind of a, a loose affiliation of single malt producers called the American Single Malt Commission. Something like that. Hmm. And they're lobbying the government to formally define single malt as, as an American product and, you know, kind of the way bourbon is, but with not as many rules. Right. Um, so that, so when someone says American single malt, they know exactly what it is, or they, they, they have a loose understanding of what this product might be in the bottle. Yeah. Um, no, it seems, it seems smart to me. I mean, I think people, you know, you're going to, if the market's oversaturated and you kind of get sick of hearing about different bourbons all the time and it's, it's cool to be sort of the outlier in, yeah. in that, in that sense. Have you had trouble, like how was the Baltimore market received it? Um, have, have you had like instances going around where people are just like, hell no, I'm not going to try that. Or what's the convincing process like? So we've had in general, I'd say the reception has been warm. Um, and, and sometimes phenomenally warm, yeah. but there's been some, you know, it's not, I guess the way I put it is that, um, the, uh, the way that we have come to market, right? So we've apprenticed with this uh, distillery in Washington state. Mm -hmm. Um, we produce it here in Baltimore now. We also have a gypsy distilling, you know, friendship partnership with, uh, buddies of ours in Columbus, Ohio, right. the West spirits. And all these things that we do, uh, and we're very proud of doing uh, to get product to market, we're very forthright about. You know, it's on the label. It's you know, it's, nothing's hidden. Mm -hmm. uh, in doing so, I think that we sometimes hit some roadblocks as far as, you know, people pick up a bottle of our whiskey and they look in the back and it says, you know, Old Line Baltimore in the front, and it says, you know, distilled in Columbus, Ohio, on the back. What they don't know is, unless they talk to us, is that we're going out there and doing it, right? Yeah. So we're not just you know buying somebody else's stuff and putting our label on it. It's our process, it's our grain, it's our yeast, it's, you know, arch typically, uh, but one of us is always out there doing it with them. So uh, that's been a, a challenge for us, I think, and I'd say not a minor challenge, not a major one either. And most people, once they hear the story and kind of know what's happening, people are very enthusiastic And, and once they taste it. And once they taste yeah. it, And when people thing. come in, they, you know, they're, <clears throat> they have a, there's always a little bit of trepidation when you're tasting, and I, I wouldn't have guessed this, but it's the case. People taste it. That's actually quite good. It's very smooth. Hmm. And you start to realize people are nervous about craft spirits mm. because it's all over the map. Mm -hmm. um, so this is this is a mature, not just in you know, not just the, the spirit in the bottle, but we're mature about how we present it, right. how we everything about it. Um, and they have a good. They, they taste it. and They like it. And typically, buy a bottle. If not right there, then they'll presumably go buy a bottle out in, out in the. Uh, market um we, we get a little bit you know that the craft forward liquor stores and, and um and bars are uh, very warm to it um you it, it gets tougher to sell to to you know there's you know air quote around tier two mm -hmm. places and almost impossible tier three because they don't know there's just there's just no way to sell an american single malt yeah at the corner liquor store it doesn't and it doesn't have that same kind of catchiness that that bourbon and rye do have now right um and it's a, I could see it being a harder sell for those kind of places. And they ask us, when are you going to make a bourbon? When are you make a rye? Yeah. Do you like, really want another bourbon or rye? Seriously? <laughs> like, <what? laughs> aren't your shelves too crowded with that stuff? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and the, just to explain to people, the, the only reason, because um, we went on a 
tour of the production area and the only reason that you guys are going out to Columbus and making it is just because you don't have the necessary equipment in room here yet, but you're hoping to get to that phase soon, right? So we like- We should be getting it this, uh, if not March, presumably in April. Um, and yeah, this will be probably the last year. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, that, the, the goal, Mark and I's goal is to um, make everything here uh, ultimately, in, in the nearest term, make everything that services Baltimore and the environment mm -hmm. here in Baltimore. Yeah. No, I think yeah. it's at one point it's going to be all under one roof, and that's going to be a really cool feeling for you guys, I'm sure. Uh, it, you know, it's not that important to us. It's important to, to uh, the market, then mm -hmm. we make it important to us. But for us, the most important thing is, is getting uh, our product that we make at, you know, at the highest possible quality at the best possible price. Right, but your hands are touching it from, yeah. from So I can tell you using a 60 gallon still here, the price, our price point per, per bottle should be about $150. Yeah. <laughs> it is not. Right. Uh, and that's because we use a much, much, much bigger system out in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. It allows us to get the price down. Uh, and the quality is, is exactly the same. Yeah. So we're involved, like Mark said, in every drop that gets made. I think that's um, what's important is that you guys are hands-on right. with everything. Those, those systems are incredibly expensive. Right. I'm uh, I can't imagine. Millions and millions of dollars. So, uh, yeah, it's... One day. One day, yeah. <laughs> um, and you were also showing me um, an outdoor space there that you're hoping to turn into maybe a courtyard at some point and have some fun events. Yeah, it's a 5,000 square foot courtyard right now, truck yard, really. Um, and we, uh, the plan is uh, hopefully this year mm -hmm. um, to to transform it, um, do some landscaping, add picnic tables, place for a band, place for uh, a bar, and nice. uh, basically have an outdoor oasis uh, for people to come hang out, have drinks, do some parties. Um, and to, to talk about your, obviously the, the single malt is your flagship, um, but what you guys will be releasing um, for your one year air quote anniversary party um, is a rum and that that's so cool and so different yeah. than than you know this single malt uh, whiskey so talk to me about the evolution why did you guys think let's make a rum and sure. and why did you want to get into that category so the rum uh, Arch and I have learned a ton about rum the past couple of years and yeah. we were very interested in uh, pursuing it when we obviously did it um, and one thing that we learned in the past couple of years is that you know the uh, ability to make a, an incredibly, you know, a world-class rum um, in the Caribbean, it's basically the environment that it's best suited for. Mm -hmm. you know, it's obviously the raw materials come from there and the aging process that really pulls the very, very sweet butterscotch and vanilla flavors out of the wood, come out of the barrel best um, in that kind of hot environment. So what Arch and I wanted to do is, you know, develop our own blend of Caribbean rum um, that we could bring to market here in the U.S. Um, and ours is uh, nicely and distinctly different than a lot of the Caribbean rums out there. And there's a whole world of Caribbean rum, aged rum, that's wonderful. Um, and we've been very deliberate to make our blend uh, what we define as a uh, whiskey drinker's rum. Huh. So something you could sit there and just put in a glass, maybe a little ice if you want, maybe a twist of lime, but it doesn't need anything else. Uh, so it's got many of the same elements you get in a high quality bourbon or single malt or whatever it might be. Uh, very, very approachable, um, very complex, just a little bit uh, sweeter than you get in a whiskey. Um, so um, 
Arch and I spent about a year, Arch, would you say? Yep. About a year with our blender. We have a husband and wife blending team, Luis and Margaret Ayala, and they're wonderful. And they gave us a, a course in kind of the world of aged rum mm -hmm. and helped us decide the direction that we wanted to go. And then we ultimately spent about a year you know, iter iter iteratively, excuse me, going That's through the process. That's a tough one. I it can't is, believe you even said it right at all. <laughs> I had to go through the process and, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and ultimately bring it to where we wanted it to be. So that was the uh, kind of story behind our flagship uh, rum, our yeah. proven rum. And we also did that same, uh, the same blend at Navy Strength, which is 114 proof traditionally. Um, so with the new rum, the one that we're uh, releasing at the anniversary party, uh, we took some of this rum, which is uh, anywhere between 7 and 11 years old um, when it comes to us, uh, when we blend it, and we further aged it, so it's finishing, in our own freshly anchored single malt casks. So what that does nice. is it imparts some single malt flavors, which are really nice, and it also gives it just more time in the barrel to pull out some more tannins, which offset that sweetness really nicely. So what you get with the new rum is something that's, I'd say, a, a tad more complex, uh, a little bit drier, Mm -hmm. um, and just really, really nice to sip. So we did it in a, a relatively small scale this year, uh, and our, our plan is to you know, release what we're releasing this week. Um, and when it's gone, it's gone, and, and we'll have some more next year. But it's going to be something that we um, we do in limited amounts each year. What would you add to that, Arsh? Uh Well, the, uh, the the side bonus, and really ultimately what we're going for, is is to create rum flavored casks. Hmm. That we've now put our when we emptied those thirty-five gallon barrels, we immediately filled them up with uh, aged single malt. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what that's going to do is add a little bit of rum complexity yeah. to to that single malt, which uh, we think is going to be really nice. It might be North American first. I know that some scotches do that, hmm. but I'm not aware of any. Uh, American single American malts. Single it's like Inception, though. I mean, you're like the ones imparting into the one, yeah, and then yeah. you, oh, yeah, you just keep folding it over. Keep yeah. folding it over. It's so yeah. amazing. I know a lot of breweries play with that, and, and distilleries and wineries will all kind of exchange barrels, and, and all the flavors get mm -hmm. exchanged in the process. And it's just it's such a cool idea because you're just creating something new every single time. Right. Um, so, so how uh, just the flavor process of the rum? Um, it, so obviously the, the barrel aging makes it, just gives it a little more oakiness, or how would you sort of describe like the, the flavors that you get in, in the rum? Do you want to? So um, the rum goes, what's critical about this rum is it's aged down in the, in the tropics. Okay. So um, just being that, like Mark said, that hot, humid atmosphere year round um, really defines what's happening in that, in that cast and it's pulling out, there's transforming some of those flavors in there to, to, to really nice uh, butterscotch from almost like a light caramel to a strong mm. butterscotch. Um, and at the same time, the oxidation transforming some of those vanillins, um, bringing those out as well. Um, so then we'll, the, what we'll do is we'll, it, the youngest rum is about seven years old, the oldest is 11. Okay. Um, the longer it stays in the barrel, the more oxidation you get, right. uh, the more extraction. Now these are all ex-bourbon barrels, so a lot of the, uh, the, the strongest oak has been extracted already. Um, so it blends out to something probably around a nine, nine and a half year or something. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we bring it up here, we proof it down and bottle it. And you get really nice vanillas and butterscotches uh, from that barrel aging down there. And there's a couple of key points to this. One is uh, people ask us, well, when are you going to make the rum up here? And the answer is never. You could never, ever uh, um, get those flavors with a mid-Atlantic rum, if a North American rum in general, maybe in Key West. 
Yeah, um, which is 90 miles from the Korean, right. so yeah, yeah, might as well be. Right, uh, and even then it's kind of a different, like, you know, in terms of where the Gulf Stream goes, right. it's kind of like sticking the other, other direction. Um, and other things, we're not adding any vanilla butterscotch to this, so there's mm -hmm. it's not a spice rum, mm -hmm. like, um, it's not syrupy or right, yeah, like a lot of um, North American rums tend to be heavily spiced, right, to get certain flavors because you just can't create them in the, in the barrel. I, I know there's, I know that there are, are good aged rums in North America, and I know there's really good spice rums in America, but they're very few and far between, we think. Yeah. So that's we we wanted to go with something easy to drink, like that, like Mark said, and we want to avoid, uh, at least in the near term, the clear spirits realm. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of rum, there's a lot of vodka and gin out there on the craft side. Yeah. And uh, some it's good, some it's not. We just want to avoid that entire market. It's it's, it's very crowded. Right. Oh, it makes sense. Has the the rum thing been an easier sort of? I know you're just starting out, but sort of sell to the market rather than the American single malt? Like people get rum right away or is it still something you kind of have think, to explain? I think, well, I think it, uh, it depends who you're talking to. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, some people have, uh, you know, had the, you know, use air quotes again, bad experience in college. <laughs> so many rum, air quotes. You know, right. right. Um, kind of like you get people with tequila. They have this saying, well, I had too much when I was, yeah. you know, and they haven't had a good one yet. Uh, we found that with, like, for example, for every 10 people, let's say, you know, we'll be at a tasting and we'll have the rum and the whiskey and, you know, you occasionally get a person who says, I'd love to try the whiskey, I don't want to try the rum. And usually we, you know, politely ask them to you know, at least give it a nose or, or whatever, maybe taste. And they usually do. And of those 10 people who were reluctant to even taste it, I'd say five are extremely happy with it and really enjoy it. Yeah. And the other five, you know, are at least surprised that it was different than they expected it. Yeah. Which well, I, I think, I think you're, I, my, my experience is nine out of 10 like <laughs> it, straight like it. Yeah. Five might love it. Right. There's going to be one person that's like, yeah, well, it's, it's rum is too sweet for me, but I, I, I mean. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, I mean, that's pretty good odds. I think it's like breaking down those preconceptions is what's really hard, especially for well, that's what it spirits, is. I yeah. think. Yeah. And that's where we have the, you know, in different ways, a dual challenge with old line is, you know, the single malt, you know, educating people on what it is and what it isn't. Um, and then the rum, you know, right. what it is and what it isn't. Right. And um, the, the, it's been a very, very positive uh, reception on all of it. Um, we're, we're very lucky. Awesome. And how has it been with sort of the local uh, craft spirit community and um, the Maryland craft spirits? I'm, I know Jamie does an amazing job of um, kind of keeping everyone unified, uh, but just in general, like how has it been being part of that community? Well, you know, we actually have a big problem with Jamie. Oh, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, oh, snap. That's where it ends. This thing's on, right? Okay. Let me tell you something about Jamie. With it. it was great having you guys on. No, yeah. no we love Jamie and Ben uh, at Lion Distilling. Yeah, Lion Distilling. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, they, they've been great. Uh, and they were um, very big supporters of us even before we got started and then uh, all of last year. Uh, but that, that's true of all, uh, also, most of the distillers out there. Yeah. We're, we're friends with, with everybody. Um, it's been great. Yeah. You know, we, I'm calling or emailing uh, distillers probably more, three or four times a week asking questions or asking for favors. We actually, in the, we uh, we go even up the road to Miami City to borrow equipment from those guys on the regular. That's which is, awesome. Uh, you know, it's great. I think we all kind of rely on each other. And yeah. We know that, you know, just because one distillery is having challenges on one day, that could be you the next. So right. it's best to... Just to kind of pull together. 
And how has it been being in, in Highland Town? I know we were talking about this a little bit before, what a, what a cool neighborhood it is. And um, I know you go to you know the homeowners association meetings and try to ingrain yourself in the community, but how has it been sort of since you guys have been here for a year now? Very receptive and yeah. um, surprising. So we're on the outside Eastern edge of Highland Town, just past Haven Street. Um, and we were a little bit nervous, you know, because it's not necessarily foot traffic uh, area. Yes. But we see people walking here all the time from Highland Town, coming in on Saturdays for, for tours and tastings, which uh, we, were, we were not expecting. And I'd say month over month, it gets, it gets, those numbers grow and grow and grow. So uh, that says a lot about the neighborhood and about the area. Um, yeah. Those things kind of, uh, you, you know, continue on their up, upswing. Yeah. When you can almost do a little... Uh now between Monument and Yoko and Snake Hill and now that we're going to have the Axe Bar oh, yeah. that's going to be a whole nother yeah whole we're excited for that yeah. we, we want people to come here first right and then go to <laughs> yeah. the Axe Bar uh, yeah right I think I, so. yeah. <laughs> they told me that the, so this is an Axe Throwing Bar that's coming to, to Haven Street in Highland Town and they told me the worst injury that they've ever seen happen at their place is a splinter which I somehow doubt but I think that's their <laughs> I think that's their line to convince you that it's fine uh, well, our guy Jerry gets worse than that every day here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Jerry's our, uh, he's, he actually is doing most of the distilling now. Okay. Uh, because it uh, turns out you need three people to keep things running here. Yeah, I, if, I, at least. I would think it's kind of amazing it's been just you two for as long as it has. That's pretty impressive. He Jerry was the number one or two, two. number two hire at Clipper City, which is mm -hmm. um, heavy seas. Heavy right. seas. Now, so he's he's got a huge uh, brewing background, um, but yeah, he's also a little bit. I, I can say this because I know he'll never listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he is very accident prone. We need like one of those accident like days since Jerry's last, <laughs> yeah. you know, sliced his finger open. And <laughs> so maybe he shouldn't go to the axe throwing bar. Uh, yeah, right. No, 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 not so much. And and he's, he's had three uh, fender benders, uh, people crunching into his car. Oh my god. I was the last one well, yesterday. Was I, I did it yesterday. He but just has like, terrible luck, it sounds like. Yeah, we refer to him as Jerry Ford. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but no, it's so cool that you're kind of a part of this part of this community over here. I think it's it's ever growing and, and you have, you know, longtime residents, new residents. It's such a good blend. Um, so you guys are open on Saturdays from when to when? 12 to 6. 12, 12 to 6. Mm -hmm. um, and you guys do like tours and tastings or yeah tours and tastings and it's a it's a great time and like this saturday obviously with the party which will be a, a totally different dynamic it'll be a, right. a blast yeah and do you want to talk a little bit about this saturday the details um sure yeah yeah well uh, so we're having our, our one year anniversary party uh here at the distillery from 12 to 6 on saturday <clears throat> um and we're gonna have um sugar bale uh cocktail bar coming in and there'll be serving cocktails from 12 to 6 uh, and their sister business doobies Mm -hmm. Be serving um, from a brunch menu from twelve to three, awesome. uh, so people can come in and they can you know take a look around and try you know all of our offerings and including the new release rum, the single malt cast finish, uh, and have a couple of drinks and uh, you know get some food and, and hang out. It should be a great time. We expect a really good turnout. That's great. So it'll be fun and it's for us. It's a big you know milestone for us. One year open in this location and uh, you know, we're excited. Yeah, um, and it's it's a celebration for you guys. I mean to have um to all the hurdles you've sort of gone through in the unconventional way that you started the business i mean it has to feel like pretty good that you've been doing this thing and stable for for a year now still kicking for, for after one year, after yeah. one year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, i wanted to ask has uh bob out from washington come and seen it here no not yet yeah. we we fully plan actually we have three 53 gallon barrels that he barreled five years ago 2011 yeah 
2011 one from 2013. Uh, so we and we actually have labels um, in design phase now uh, for a uh, basically a golden release. The the his distillery was golden right distillery, so we're going to do a uh, old line American Single Malt golden release uh, that kind of incorporates elements of both awesome. distilleries. So we're going to fly him out. For, He's doing all right. Maybe he can fly himself out. Yeah, that's right. yeah we made plenty of money already. <laughs> You're like, if you can make it out here, we'll give yeah. you some free drinks. Yeah, but, but we yeah. do talk to him uh, regularly. That's awesome. Uh, he's he's great. That guy, he's got to be 75, he, 76. Yeah, he's starting another business. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He might as well be 55. Like, he's just... He's just going. He's just got so much energy. Yeah. But it's so cool. He's like, like he was like your little, like you know, business angel or something. No, <laughs> no, it was, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys want to try a couple samples of Let's the, do, um, do you want to, I mean, I, I've had the, the single malt before, but we could try that and then the rum. Yeah, do you, you want to move up to the bar or bring it down here? All right. Thank you. So we're doing the, what are we doing first? That should be the, that you get with the single yep. malt first, yeah. Okay. So we're, st are we all? Mm -hmm. so we're starting with the American single malt whiskey. What, you're, what you have in your hand here was a, um, was uh, aged 12 to 15 months in a five gallon barrel. Okay. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but there's a lot of oak extraction during that period. So what you're gonna get is something that's, um, you get a lot of vanillins, um, a little bit of uh, spicy maple, brown sugar, uh, buttery mouthfeel. This is what we won Best American Whiskey with. Even on the nose, it's so tempting and there's no, there's no astringency to it. It's just, it's got, like you said, those maple elements really come through. Yeah. So um, one thing we always, this is kind of what we tell everybody. I don't know if you're a pro. No, so. I'm, I'm really not. So tell me what you tell everyone. So um, if you haven't been drinking, um, you know, hard liquor recently, mm -hmm. like in the next last hour. I haven't, shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what you want to do is uh, just take a really small sip first to, to cleanse your palate. Mm -hmm. Let it burn a little bit. Let it exercise those saliva glands, the, the taste buds. This isn't your tasting sip. This is just a palate cleanser. Okay. And it'll make the tasting sip, which is the second sip, much more enjoyable. Right. The second sip is actual, the real first sip. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you got uh, sweet receptors on the tip of your tongue. Make sure uh, everything flows across that like you would with any tasting. It's really nice. Yeah. On that second sip, you get a lot more of the vanilla for sure. I've never heard the term vanillins. Does that make me not a pro either? No, it's no, not at all. I mean, it's, okay. But it's uh, it's some of these, um, you know, they're called phenols that come out of the wood, the Got oak. Um, they're the name is very descriptive, like vanillins or vanilla. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. Uh, cinnamaldehyde is cinnamon. Got it. Um, so things like that. They're that is all you know, many of which come from the uh, that's from, the, from the barrel. Got from it. the barrel, yeah. Yeah. From the barrel directly, uh, and some like Arch mentioned earlier. Are the result of oxidation so it's you know the distillate going in the barrel has to be very high quality um, but it needs a lot from the wood and then just those two things mingling together with oxidation occurring other things emerge as well so got it um, no this is fantastic it's it's <clears throat> not overly anything it's not overly sweet it doesn't have that smokiness that i think people probably would uh, think agreed. it might have there is I, it reminds me a little bit of rye i'm not gonna lie it's, you, you know you're not the only person to say that yeah um which i love like I think this would be great in an old fashioned. I mean, and there's, a, there's actually the the was reminding you of rye, and I'm, I'm gonna I won't even try to say the chemical name because I'm gonna forget it. But there's a, uh, a one of the phenols, one of the chemicals that come from the wood, um, gives you kind of almost like a like a white pepper spice, mm -hmm. which is exactly. more in the back of the tongue. Yep. And that I think is the component that reminds people a little bit of rye. 
which is what I love in rye is that that white pepper. Oh yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it is. It's really a little bit spicy, but this is everything's subtle and in moderation in the way this tastes. It's it's really well balanced. It's pretty well balanced. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see why this won an award though. It seems like it, this would be great on its own over ice in a cocktail. I mean, I'm sure you can serve it a number of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We. It's it, it. You wouldn't normally think of serving a single malt in a cocktail. Right, but, but that would be, be like sacrilege, right? Right. Well, not just sacrilege; it just doesn't do that well because it's it's just not you know for whatever reason what balances out a cocktail is, is there's from a whiskey standpoint tend to be whiskeys that have aged in uh, new oak mm-hmm. or have got a lot of oak extraction. Mm-hmm. Um, there, of course, there are a couple of, of uh, cocktails that that do use single malt um, scotches. Yeah. But most cocktails, as we all know, are bourbon or, or rye based right. whiskey. But we do, we age our whiskey just like a bourbon rye. So it works in all those exact same cocktails. And you yeah. see it around town in those cocktails and different bars. Yeah, Sugarville in particular, who I know you're working with on Saturday, has always done a great job of um, blending your products yeah. really nicely. They're really talented guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, agreed. But yeah, like Art said, it's a, you can put it in anything. You can put a bourbon or a rye in and it'll be familiar, but very distinctly different. Yeah. Um, and so, better, mostly better. Uh, like I, I've never just you're kidding. So, <laughs> I was gonna say you're so unbiased. <laughs> yeah. I said that the uh, like the old fat. So Arch and I are, are we're, and I mean this actually large in a good way. We're simple guys. Like you mm-hmm. know, uh, as far as cocktails go, especially in that like, you know, uh, a Manhattan or an old fashioned or a Sazerac. The very you know the three or four component drinks are our favorites. Yeah. And with an old fashioned, you know, I love a rye old fashioned. I love a bourbon old fashioned. They're wonderful drinks. With ours. Uh, you get a similar but still very different experience. Uh, for example, like you know, there's some cinnamon notes that come out that mm-hmm. really you don't get as much in a bourbon or a rye that come out with the bitters mixing with the liquor and all. It's just, it's very very nice. And that nice. little the yeah. little orange zest slice in there with the cinnamon notes oh, would it's be wonderful. so yeah. nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we're making cocktails here in a minute. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, do you guys want to sort of tease your eventual idea about what you might do here, or is yeah, it still so. We're in the planning phases. We got a lot of hurdles to cross from a regulatory perspective, but there's a path that we we can follow that'll allow us to open a cocktail bar. Amazing. Here in uh, here in the distillery. So we've uh, we've we've started down that path. We've, we've gotten through the health inspection. Um, looks like fire inspector is uh, largely pleased. Uh, you can get through the liquor board. Um, so we have an idea of a, for a cocktail bar uh, called the Ready Room, mm. uh, which is in naval aviation terms where. All the aviators would meet up, um, basically conduct their day from there, um, go out missions or swap stories. You know, at the end of the day, come back together. Right. Um, so we thought it was a, it was a unique name for for what we're doing. Yeah, and for your of, background and the yeah. Navy. Yeah. So it won't be overly uh, aviation. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's not going to be like the Air and Space or, Museum. Or, yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we we were working with. Um, to, to develop a cocktail menu that will be, I think, very uh, unique, but, you know, cocktail forward, I would say, a lot of old line, but we'll, we'll use other Maryland spirits. And so we don't know where it's going to go. Uh, we're, we're hopeful that it'll be pulled together and, you know, blessed by the local state government by... Uh, yeah, I hope so, summer. too. I mean, hopefully Maryland can get its act together. Um, so I think what's cool, though, is you, you go to other places, like I'm thinking of so many places in D.C. right now where you have the maker experience and the bar experience mm-hmm. in one and and that's like the best of both worlds because you can you know taste these products figure out what you like talk to the people who are actually making them and then go have an amazing cocktail um, with right. that right in Agreed. it and so. it's, it's 
I mean, critical for us from a business perspective, you know, starting a business of, of this sort, uh, where so much of your money is tied up in barrels for mm-hmm. years, you know, generating cash is critical to not failing, just, you know, to get to that point where you can finally you know, be cash flow positive and grow the business and hire more people and whatnot. Right. Um, but, uh, so it's, it's, it's huge for us. Yeah. Um, and, and then you'll be open for more than six hours a week, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. We'll, we'll definitely have more details uh, as we get further along the process and uh, we're, we're excited about where it's going. Awesome. I hope the hurdles aren't as tough as they were opening Just this standard, standard, uh, <laughs> standard you know, red tape. Standard red tape. Yep. Yeah. But we're new to this. We've never done this before. So. Okay. So what do we have? We have the next. So the next level? one is the cast strength American single malt whiskey. Okay. So this is as it comes out of the barrel, um, 120 proof, 60% alcohol. So very strong. You don't feel like you don't, don't feel like you have to drink the entire thing in general. Uh, Sipping 120 proof anything neat is not really all that enjoyable, frankly. Right. Um, it's meant to give you control, though. It's meant to, you get to decide how many cubes of ice or drops of water or how much mixer you want to put in there. Right. So this tasting is really just to give you an idea of like the, the raw, unadulterated whiskey that comes out of the barrel. And what, what you get with this. And then before you guys proof it down. Before we proof it down mm-hmm. or AKA water it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you'll get is all those same flavors that we talked about a second ago, just much more pronounced. Okay. Uh, sometimes you you, know, you, gotta, you gotta pull it through that ethanol burn, but they're definitely there. Um, and I'll say personally, this is, I've, and it could just because, be because I'm turning to a raging alcoholic. <laughs> I like the overproof stuff. Mm-hmm. The, just throw a couple cubes of ice on there, take it down to 90 slowly. proof-ish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, you don't, you don't have to make a complicated cocktail. You can just enjoy it and you enjoy it. That okay. also could be just because I notice this as I'm getting older too. I feel like I enjoy those kind of more simple sure. ways of drinking than something a little more convoluted. Um, yeah, you might be becoming an alcoholic too. I, I, well, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, but I wasn't going to say it. But yeah, what's this podcast about? <laughs> the uh, I'm going to have to start doing like juices soon and coffees yeah, right. to just really balance it out. So, and stop me if Arch just said this and I missed it. But um, one of the really nice things about the cast strength and the, you know for the rum the navy strength is that it gives the person you did okay the control yeah i checked my point. phone for a second it's and totally i usually t- you know tone out arch <laughs> pretty quickly well you guys have probably heard each other say very similar things a lot and so you can tone each other out <laughs> um no but i hadn't thought about it that way before it's like kind of it's, it's just a different way to to drink um mm-hmm. and no it's good i probably won't finish it because i do have to drive home and you also gave me a resurrection, so. Um, but it is, it's really nice. I could see that, like you said, a couple of ice cubes, slowly sipping it. Yeah. By some sort of fire. Right, that be, right. Yeah, that would day. be ideal. Yep. Um, so this is the first time I've tried the rum. I'm so excited. Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> what I love about the rum is people come in with preconceived notions of what rum tastes like right. based on drinking gallons and gallons mostly of Captain uh, Morgan's, mm-hmm. uh, which is great because those are really small shoes to fill. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, that's funny. yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, we, we've described it already. We'll let you, let you taste it and see what you think. So obviously this, like you guys said, this is, um, blended down in the Caribbean and then, um, brought up here. Right. Yeah. And then what's your, so it comes up here 130 proof. Butterscotch for sure. We, we add water to get it down. What you're drinking now is 84 proof. Okay. Yeah. The butterscotch is what hits me right away on the nose. Um, right. Which I a love. A little bit of a, a little bit of a citrusy note too. Mm-hmm. If you, if you kind of look yeah. at that. Yeah. 
it's really good. I think you have to like butterscotch, which I happen to love, but I think it's fantastic. I agree with that. Yeah. It's not sweet. It's funny people said it, said it's too sweet because maybe they're just getting that on the smell, but the actual taste is like yeah, it really is not overly sweet. It's got a nice dry finish that kind yeah, of bounce, really it, dry. It, it hits you a little bit sweet, but then it, it quickly dissipates. Mm-hmm. What you find with some rums that Arch and I really wanted to avoid is that um, you sometimes get a sticky syrupy. Syrupy. Yes. And we very much did not want that, and no. we worked very hard to avoid that. So I think we hopefully no. The mouthfeel on it is really um, not syrupy at all. It's smooth and thin. It's nice. Oh yeah. What would you mix with this rum, or what have you had? Have you had it mixed with something? That yeah, you oh yeah. So I said, well, a couple of things. I mean, in the, the simplest form. I mean, um, you could do a four minutes cocktail with just a twist of lime, mm-hmm. and that's it, and it's wonderful. Uh, as far as cocktails. Um, and I'm embarrassed to say I never had a really traditional daiquiri until what? like a year and a half ago. Uh, and Steve Lamb, our uh, actually will be heading up the ready room, um, is a cocktail bartender by trade, and he made one for me not too long ago, or I guess a year, year and a half ago. And I didn't realize how good a, you know a, a good quality rum with you know lime juice and simple syrup and a little ice is yeah. just amazing. It's fantastic. Um, it's not the, the daiquiris that people think of. No, it's not yeah. what I thought a daiquiri was. Right. It, was it was wonderful. Um, and then actually, Arch and I, one of our favorites at home, we call it a Highland Town Sunrise. Uh, there's a couple of ways we can make it, but the simplest form is uh, about two ounces of our rum um, on ice with a, a dash of ginger ale and a dash of uh, orange juice. And we actually made it just hanging out one day and, and it ended up being something we love. That's so. awesome. But it's so good on its own that just that little bit of... Um, the lime. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of, you know, a few, a few small additions to it really uh, is all you need. No, it is, it is really nice. I could see all you needing just lime, ginger. Like, I would probably just even drink this with ginger ale and twist of lime or something. I think that would be really good. Um, it's very versatile. Yeah. Very all right. Cool. So the last one, we, and there is another one, but we won't, we won't force you through uh, <laughs> five, uh, five. What is the last one just for the record? Though? So the last one is the, the release for tomorrow. So you'll be okay. one of the first people to taste it. Awesome. Um, and again, this Thank is the you. same runny rum you just had, mm-hmm. but uh, that we uh, we finished it in uh, small single malt casks. Got it, got it. So, oh, it's great to try these back to back. Yeah, that's why I wanted before. The, the third rum you didn't taste was the Navy Strength rum. Mm. So it would have been the same rum, but at 114 proof. Right. Which is it's interesting. probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's great. I love, like I said, I love having that control. Yeah. Um, and it's just so much more pronounced. The, the flavor, all this butterscotch and donuts come through so much brighter. And you see you see it used in cocktails around town for that reason. Nice. And the term Navy strength, I feel like I know what it means, but you so guys want to explain it? Back in the day, sailors would get their daily allotment of spirits. <clears throat> uh, and one of the ways they'd make sure they hadn't been proofed down or, or watered down was they put a little bit on gunpowder and light it. Hmm. If the gunpowder could light, then it was proved to be, uh, you know, ready to go, aka Navy strength. So 114 proof or higher was Navy strength. And you'll see that that term used in gins and right. whiskeys. Typically, because you know, the British and the American Navy, that's what we, we used. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. I just sort of always thought it was that Navy men could drink a lot or had a high tolerance or something. Well, yeah, we were down in, uh, I was down in the uh, Spirits, Big Spirits Festival down in uh, Patuxent River Naval Air Station last weekend, and uh, there's a lot of Marines down there. Yeah. Navy strength. Well, we, we used to have a Marine-proof bottle, but it was basically a big <laughs> plastic sippy cup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, 
talking some shit just <laughs> yeah. casually. That's awesome. They didn't understand the joke. So this yeah. isn't the baby strength, just to be clear. This is uh, what you guys are releasing Correct. Saturday. Yeah. Yep. So this, this is the uh, H Caribbean Rum Single Malt Casked Finish. I love your labels, by the way. They're so amazing. It's um, they really played up the crab, and it it's they're just beautiful. And one thing that you know we tried to tie in here is that because um, as Arch put it earlier today, you know we're really um, trying to take elements of our two flagship products and showcase them together. So by yeah. taking you know our rum and then finishing it in our single malt barrels, uh, and the reason that the label, as you can kind of see at the bottom, has those really nice waves, is mm -hmm. that the waves are our single malt uh, logo. Oh, got it. So we're kind of tying those two logos together to kind of show how they're connected, so. No, yeah, this is such a nice marriage of the two. Um, I think those, those butterscotch notes that were really pronounced in the rum are a little more tampered, um, but then you get like the, the peppercorn note that I was talking about from the whiskey a little bit. It's it's really nice. Yeah, um, it's, I think it's like um, a rum whiskey. It's so bizarre, but it's really good. It feels perfectly balanced to me when yeah. I drink it. Mm -hmm. In terms of sweetness, dryness, a little, a little bit of a uh, little bit of that pepper. Mm -hmm. We made on Saturday. Um, I was here working at the distillery, and a friend of mine was here helping. And we made a uh, after hours a. Um, a rum old fashioned with it. We just omitted simple syrup because it's already you know you a decent it. amount of um, you know, sugars in, in the liquid. So. Right. Uh, so basically it was, you know, um, the rum with some bitters and, and a twist and it was wonderful. It's, yeah. I could see that. It's really good. It reminds me almost of, you know, how a lot of place, distilleries are trying to almost do like a cocktail in a bottle sort of thing. Um, I think this is stronger, obviously, because a lot of those are like 40 proof or whatever, but, yeah. um, but it's so balanced. It has that same kind of concept going for it. And that's 90 proof too, by the way. I mean, that this is dangerous then because yeah. <laughs> it, it does remind me of a lot of those, uh, it just it just tastes really good like on its own yeah now, this is fantastic i i mean you guys are gonna have such a great party on saturday and i hope everyone who can make it can come um and come down to the tasting room any other saturday and right. check you guys out on social media and all that yeah, stuff we love it. right okay, yeah. awesome yeah. well thank you guys so much for doing the podcast and having me here in the tasting room today it was great to finally make it out yeah thanks for hanging out with us yeah no problem thank you <laughs>